disruption zone. Opportunity lives where the status quo dies. Talking to the greatest innovators, disruptors, and off-the-wall inventors, we can scrounge up. You laugh, you'll learn, you'll be inspired. Now, here are your hosts, Leland Conway and Cameron Mills. My friend Cheryl Atkinson is back with us on the podcast, talking about some fuzzy numbers with counting COVID deaths. It's a crazy story there, were, and this is happening all across the country, uh, or at least it was at one time. But in Colorado, there was um, a coroner that found out after the fact that somebody went in and changed uh, the associated deaths of a murder-suicide and said that it was COVID because the two people that were involved in the murder-suicide had tested positive for COVID. When you have this happening... It skews the numbers, and when the numbers are skewed, it skews public policy. This is a very, very dangerous precedent uh, to be taking place. And uh, thank God for actual um, actual journalists like Cheryl Atkinson, who is not afraid to tell these stories. And it it's frustrating because everywhere we look, like uh, YouTube this last week, said that they were going to ban any anti-vax content on the same day that they said that free speech was one of their core values. Now, I know there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of conspiracy theory and a lot of divisive stuff about the vaccine. And as I've said a thousand times, I am not anti-vaccine. I am anti-mandate. By the way, just a personal note, I have recovered from COVID. I had it for about five days. Um, Actually, I don't know how long I was actually, I was positive for, I don't know, like 10 or 12 days, but I got my negative test the other day, uh, but I was sick for about five days. I, I remember uh, the first day I felt like I had a scratchy throat and I thought that's weird. It's not really allergy season for me, but it feels like allergies. The second day it felt like really bad allergies. And the third morning when I woke up, I was having like super cold chills and I was like, okay, this is obviously not allergies and it's not right. So I went to my doctor and I got a quick rapid test and it came back and they were like, yeah, you definitely have COVID. Um, so then I, I quarantined and uh, I barely left the house for about 10 days, uh, went on with my daily life in the home. I, I worked out in the house. I, I walked my dogs every morning for about two miles. Uh, I was super congested. You can probably hear it now that I'm congested um, and, and still a little congested. But at the end of the day, it was about a five day long ordeal for me where I had this constant background headache when I would move my eyes. Uh, it wasn't like super bad or super painful, but if I moved my eyes, it was, I was super stopped up. I had a, um, and I had to cold chills for about two days. I never, other than maybe those first two days, I don't think I ever had a fever. Um, and so I, I guess you could say I got off pretty lucky, right? Like it didn't really affect me too bad. It, it, again, it was like a bad cold. Uh, I've been sicker in my life. I rarely ever do get sick, but I've been sicker. Uh, there, I will say this, there's something about it. Like, okay, this is going to sound like a conspiracy theory, but I trust you guys to understand where I'm coming from. Cause it's not, I believe that the vaccine is man-made. I, I believe we did it through gain of funding, uh, gain of function research. Uh, and I believe that I, and I feel, I felt like while I had it, even though it wasn't like super bad, there's elements of it that I felt like just felt man-made, right? Because it was weird. It wasn't like any other virus that I had in my life. 
it was different. It was weird. There were some weird symptoms that came along with it. And to this day, I, I still, it's been two weeks since I tested positive. And obviously I tested negative earlier this week. So I'm clearly over it, but I still can't smell anything at all. And that was the weirdest thing. I didn't lose my sense of taste, uh, but I lost my sense of smell on like the third or fourth day. And I literally, I could stick a cologne bottle with the top off up my nose right now, and I wouldn't be able to smell it. I could put my nose on a deodorant stick, and I wouldn't be able to smell it. I'm starting to get my smell back barely because yesterday I cooked some bacon for breakfast, and I could just barely smell the bacon. And I was like, oh, maybe it'll happen. It'll come back soon. I'm told anywhere from two weeks to to a month. Who knows? That's just a weird symptom, right? Because it's not because I'm stopped up that I can't smell. In the past, when you get a flu or you get the cold, you can't, or you have allergies, you can't smell because your nose is stopped up. And as soon as it clears up, you're like, okay, I can smell again. That's not the case with this. That's weird. That's engineered is what it feels like. It feels engineered. So I know that sounds kind of conspiracy theory-like, but it is what it is. That's how I feel. Anyway, my point is, and by the way, the way I dealt with it was funny. I, I asked my doctor, I said, what do I do when they told me I was positive? He said, go home and uh, treat it like a cold, and uh, hopefully we won't hear from you in four days. That's what they told me. That is the extent of it. Even though there are known uh, treatments out there, they did not offer me any, and I thought that was weird. Uh, so that's what I did, but I've, I've been taking additional vitamin D and additional zinc and additional quercetin throughout the entire pandemic, and... Um, I had heard a doctor say that if you end up coming down with it to take a little bit more. And so I was following that doctor's sort of the way that he said we should do it. So I upped my dosages of it. And again, within five days, I was starting to feel normal again. I feel great now other than the little bit of congestion in my chest. But um, other than that, I'm breathing fine. I'm working out at the gym back to full speed. All of that stuff is back to full speed. So, um, I am not under the impression that my experience with COVID is going to be like yours. I know people that have had it and had very different experiences. Some people that were, didn't even know they were sick. Others that have been very, very, very sick. So others that have been hospitalized. It's a weird virus, which again makes it feel engineered. Uh, but the bottom line is this thing's going to have to become endemic. We're not going to defeat it. It's out now. And the idea that we're going to shut down the economy and force people to take a government poke and that's going to be our way to freedom is stupid and asinine. And it's dang sure asinine when the government and the experts that we supposedly trust are fudging numbers because you can't do good policy with bad numbers. All right. So that brings me to our conversation with Cheryl Atkinson. Before we get to that, I want to thank our sponsor, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. They're so awesome. My buddy, Tim Montgomery. I've been a customer of theirs. Otherwise, I wouldn't talk about them. Um, and I believe in them. Um, service after the sale was fantastic. Uh, the, the, the work that they did on our kitchen was gorgeous. I'm confident it's the reason that our house sold in less than a day when we put it on the market. They also did our master bath. And I'm telling you, if you're thinking about taking advantage of these unbelievably low interest rates right now to do like a home equity line of credit and make your home, your dream home, do it because it is worth it. And it's a great investment in your home. Uh, and they have everything that you could possibly want, uh, from any type of stone, uh, or solid surface countertop to any style of cabinetry uh, from off the shelf to custom. They can do a full turnkey remodel. Or if you are a do-it-yourselfer uh, or someone that um, that that uh, is a contractor or something like that, they can absolutely 
uh, help you out with that. So give them a call. It's 502-930-3304, 502-930-3304, LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com. Check them out. And now my friend Cheryl Atkinson and her reporting on the issue of numbers with COVID. Um, Cheryl, welcome. Great to be here. Um, so I guess the, the big story that you did this weekend on Full Measure News, which people can catch on many stations across the country, um, was a piece on the Grand County Coroner here in Colorado that was questioning why health officials in the state of Colorado considered a murder-suicide to be a COVID death, among other strange things. And apparently the state didn't like being asked about that. What happened? Well, the story broadened out. I started there in Colorado because this was one, I think, brave coroner who spoke out about not just a murder-suicide being added to the COVID list somehow, but also two people who were still alive added to the COVID list, a heart attack, and so on. And I kind of broadened it out and looked at this phenomenon across the nation where there are many states where somewhere between the coroners and this COVID count, somebody was apparently cross-referencing names on a database of positive COVID tests. And when people died, even if the coroner hadn't signed off on a death certificate yet, and even if it had nothing to do with COVID, if that name cross-referenced to a positive test in the last 30 days, even if the person was asymptomatic, someone was adding these names to these lists. And this coroner, as well as others I interviewed in Colorado and elsewhere, took on the state and challenged the stats. And in Colorado, um, when you take out the non-directly COVID-caused deaths, like the gunshot wounds and so on, It cuts your death numbers in half. And in other states, when they've started cutting out certain counties, they're cutting out a quarter to a half of their death count when they're looking and and being honest about the cause of death being COVID versus other things. So, you know, I heard rumors like you all probably did the past year as to car accident victims and so on being added to the COVID death count. And I just wanted to find out what the facts were. And yes, it's true that this this is happening and it's not just happening in a few instances. So that that's a pretty big claim that literally half the deaths in the state might be overinflated because that changes everything from this virus's lethality to um, I mean, and also there was a story this last week that almost half of hospitalizations were not because people were being sent to the hospital because they were near death's door, but rather they were either just automatically being sent to the hospital. They were sitting there with asymptomatic cases. They had just tested positive. I mean, all of this combined, it really kind of makes you wonder where we're at right now with truth in today's society, especially amongst most in the media, because it seems like the media is hyping this in a way. And and again, I don't want to minimize this. Certainly there's, even if everything is cut in half, there's still a lot of deaths from this virus, but that to me is a is a scary thing to think that the state is has been willing to basically fluff up by half the danger of this virus. And you look at how, as you mentioned, it impacts the stats. So in Grand County, Colorado, they had no COVID deaths in 2020. But according to statistics, when you count gunshots and living people who never really died, those numbers get skewed that suddenly it looks like COVID's killing young people because the murder-suicide were, I think they were in their 20s. Right. So, you know, the statistics for young people are very tiny in terms of death, and they can be upped greatly by a couple of these cases that weren't really caused by COVID. Um, I looked at the New York Times dashboard. A lot of people use that in the Johns Hopkins dashboard of statistics on COVID. And the New York Times, as of July, had overcounted Grand County's death count by at least 500%, because there were really no deaths in 
Grand County of COVID, but there was one supposedly of a resident from Grand County that died somewhere else. Right. So even if you count that, they had five deaths. They counted the living people. They counted the gunshot murder victim. They counted a heart attack. You know, and, and we can only examine in the little counties because they know exactly how many people did or didn't die of COVID. Right. You go to a big city and the coroner can't trace every death and track it down and say, well, why did you count this one or that one? But they were able to do that in Grand County. We're talking with Cheryl Ackerson, award-winning investigative reporter. Um, I'm struggling to see the innocent explanation of this. I am too, because, you know, the word has been said that, well, this is how you count disease, <clears throat> but it's not, it's not always how you count disease. It's how you count disease when you want the biggest possible number, but you're certainly not getting at the truth of, you know, how common a death or injury is from the disease when you're counting everything. And this was a decision that was made early on. I suspect by the people within government and outside the government who lobby on behalf of uh, vaccine and medical interests, because this is just how things worked. I've learned over the past 20 years of covering CDC and, and all of these stories. So someone wanted, I, I remember a long time ago when I found out, I don't know if you know this story, but at CBS, I looked into swine flu because I got a tip from two tips actually from people inside the government. They told me that CDC in the midst of what we thought was a swine flu epidemic with the emergency vaccine being developed, ordered all the states to quit counting and quit testing, you know, doing lab tests for COVID, for uh, swine flu. Well, why would they do that in the middle of tracking this novel new thing that was circulating? And this inside source for the government, the scientists said, they're either trying to overcount or undercount. Your job is to find out which it is. <laughs> and since CDC wouldn't give me the numbers, I went to all 50 states got lab test results. Long story short, there was almost no swine flu in circulation at the height of what the government said was this this epidemic of swine flu. Right. Most of it was other upper respiratory infection. Hmm. Why do they want to overcount some of these things? There's all kinds of reasons they may want to do it. But I don't think, I think they someone somewhere knows exactly what they were doing. Yeah. I Well, and I think maybe we're talking again with Cheryl Atkinson, award-winning um, investigative reporter. I guess, I guess the most innocent explanation i can think of is that if we if we have people sufficiently afraid they'll take steps that will mitigate the spread of the virus right like i think that's maybe they're down i'm not defending that i'm just saying that the most plausible innocent explanation would be that let's scare people enough that they make decisions that makes this thing spread less but ultimately, well, and I would, that, that, that I mean, I'm not again, I'm not defending it, but I guess that's the only the closest to an innocent explanation I can come up with. I mean, I, I go through the same thing. Obviously, there's still no right to provide to present for public health officials, as frankly, they often do to present skewed data because they want to convince the public to behave a certain way. But that's very common in public health. I've learned. Well, is not that but what Fauci I, admitted to in The New York Times when he basically said, yeah, I was moving the goalposts on what it would take to get to herd immunity as I saw the popularity of the vaccine climbing. And I was trying to right, right. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but wasn't he essentially admitting, look, we were just trying to make this fit the polls because we want people to do what we want them to do. Well, I didn't see that, but it, it came to my great surprise many years ago when I understood for the first time, not knowing this before, that public health officials, that we pay their salaries, are taught that their job isn't to look out for us as individuals, but to and to give fair information on various sides of issues such as medicine and vaccine safety. They're 
job, they think, is to promote what they determine to be the better good for all, even if it's not good for an individual. Right. And too often, unfortunately, that's gotten all, you know, mixed up with the uh, medical industry that lobbies and has people who work inside the government and the revolving door. So the decisions that are being made for the betterment of all often are really decisions being made for the betterment of industry. Right. So if you want to take that a step further of, well, we want everybody to be sufficiently frightened so they behave properly, I would say comma, and so they want the vaccine. Right. Because I think a lot of this is about generating a market um, for vaccination. Right. And again, I'm not anti-vaccine, and I know you're not. You've been falsely labeled that. Um, But all roads lead to the money, and you have – you know, pharmaceutical companies that bear no liability whatsoever. And, you know, again, I think the vaccine's great. Um, But there also should be a lot of effort put in place to try to find potential therapeutics, etc. The vaccine is obviously not the end-all be-all because we're now seeing that it is not stopping people from getting infected or spreading the virus. So obviously there has to be effort put into other things uh, instead of spending so much time demonizing people who may choose not to take the vaccine. And that's a long-standing propaganda campaign that I saw begin in the early 2000s. And not before that, but when there came to be a lot of scrutiny on vaccination and side effects, um, it became the thing generated by the vaccine industry and PR firms and permeating the media to call anybody who's, including researchers who research these things, right. anti-vaccine, when clearly they're not. But this is just been a very effective propaganda campaign. Yeah, I think what we're talking about here is, is you know, the, the idea of the greater good. And again, we're talking with Cheryl Atkinson, investigative reporter. The idea of the greater good makes sense, I guess, on a broad scale, broad on a broad scale. But we're making policy that on a macro level doesn't always end up being good for the greater good. You know, for an example, you know, we have a very high number of suicide rates now. We have young people with massive mental illness issues. They were already bad with the onset of social media, but it's made even worse. We also have massive economic damage, which we still have not recovered from and probably haven't seen the worst of yet. Um, All of these things are fallout from decisions that were made based on rushed policy, rushed policy that was leaving out key details. I mean, I think when you see it explode on a macro level, like on one hand you go, well, for the greater good, it was good to get everybody in line. But then when you start to see what some of the outcomes of that policy decision-making is, that's when you start to realize it in some cases has done much more harm than good. Well, and not just not only because it's rushed, but it's rushed in part because the people who are writing these policies and laws, which, again, are industry writing these bills for Congress, the members of Congress don't write bills anymore. They're right. being written by other people. And Lobbyists, so this is know. all yeah, all being pressed through by people who have an interest in the outcome. So you're not necessarily... Yes, they're promoting it, that it's for everybody's good. And then we see that in retrospect or hindsight, like you you said, so many of these things aren't. And there are tens of thousands of scientists that have signed on to, you know, statements and policies that are completely divergent from what was recommended that we did the past year and a half. But they're marginalized. Their grants are pulled. They're controversialized. They're called all kinds of names. It's very dangerous time when you can't get various sides of you know, studies and facts and information because one side is just dominating the media landscape. I want to point people to your website, CherylAckison.com, because you have the story there specifically about the Colorado Health Department 
um, basically not liking the questions that were being asked by Brenda Bach, the uh, Grand County coroner, because uh, I want people to read that and, and see that information. Um, well, if you don't mind, so yeah. that that's a that's a sidebar I wrote about my public records request, which they stonewalled, which right. I think is quite interesting. And to watch the video of the story about the count nationwide, including Grand yes. County, that's posted at fullmeasure.news, fullmeasure.news. Anybody can watch that anytime now. Okay, perfect. And do you think do, when you let's expanding this out nationally, does that mean that nationally the numbers of people that have died has been overinflated by the same percentage, do you think? Um, when you take into account all of those numbers? Well, you know, unless there's an independent national audit, there's no way to know. But the governor of Colorado told the coroner in Grand County that he agreed with her that these deaths didn't belong on the state's list, but that he wasn't going to change it because other states were counting the same way. And one very interesting thing that is in that little article at CherylAxon.com the um, when I finally hired a lawyer to force some public records out of Colorado that they were supposed to give us because we owned them, not them, but they were ignoring and withholding. Right. They redacted these emails of their conversations about the death count with other states, including California and New York and a lot of these other blue states. What were they talking about? Now, this is illegal for them to black it out and redact it. There was no basis for it. But I either have to go to court and sue or, you know, this, they know this is expensive and time consuming. Right. So it does make me wonder, because I wonder who's at the top deciding these policies, how many states did it. Well, it makes you wonder if there was, yeah, it makes you wonder if there was coordination between certain states on trying to drive those numbers up. And if you think back to what was happening in 2020, it becomes pretty obvious why one of the potential reasons why that could be done. Um, Right. You know, so and it becomes very political, which I think is pretty scary stuff. Um, Okay, so full measure news. um, How do people find that? Real quick, you can all you can find pretty much everything at CherylAckison.com as well. Full Measure has a link. Yeah, I try to I try to cross reference a lot of stuff at CherylAckison.com, but the show for Full Measure for people if they don't know where to watch it, I always post everything afterwards on Sundays. You know, through the rest of the week at FullMeasure.news online. Awesome, and your current book is Slanted, which is out as well. You can see that at CherylAckison.com, or you can order that on Amazon. Cheryl, thank you for your time. We appreciate it today. Thank you. All right, have a great one. Pretty fascinating, right? All right. Thanks to our sponsor, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, for their awesome uh, support of our program. I am a longtime customer of Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. Before we moved to Colorado, they did our kitchen and master bathroom. I am confident it's the reason our house sold in less than a day. Imagine yourself sipping your coffee in the morning before you go to work at your kitchen island in your dream kitchen. That is what they can do for you. And if you are a do-it-yourselfer, or a contractor. They've got cabinets in stock ready for you to go. Or if you want that total service from beginning to end, they've got that for you too. Give them a call at 502-930-3304, 502-930-3304, or check out LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com, or stop by the showroom at 6200 Hit Lane in Louisville, right on the border of Odom County, and talk to Michelle, George, or Kelly, the on-staff designers. If you're in southern Indiana, Louisville, or uh, Oldham County, this is your place. Big thanks to Dynamics Audio Productions for their help with the program. And you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Leland Show. At, on Instagram, it's at Great Lelando. And on in, uh, Twitter, it's at Zone Disruption because some jack wagon took z- the disruption zone. And then it's the disruption zone on Instagram. So you can check it out there. Download us for free by signing up at iHeartRadio's uh, app or Apple Podcasts or Google Play 
wherever you find your podcasts. I am Leland Conway. Thanks for listening. It's the Disruption Zone. Ah, ah.